Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corbrew. What's good, revolutionaries? Just want to let you know I am full. I am full. I have spent the week, last week, Labor Day weekend, uh, at the time of this recording at Black Men Excel. If you've never been to Black Men Excel, sponsored by Black Enterprise, you are missing out, not only as a man of color, but as a woman. And what happens at Black Men Excel is the opportunity to celebrate the success of Black men, the best of who we are, as Black Enterprise says. And I was treated to being amongst some of the most prolific Black men in the country, lawyers, doctors, CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, FedEx, Aetna, Got to sit on a panel with Ron Williams and Shannon Brown and talk about leadership and how to win the trust of people, teams, and organizations. Got to spend time with my good brother, Philip Roundtree, and the BMXL Man of the Year, who is doing wonderful things around kings and queens. So next year, everyone, if you're looking for a place to go for Labor Day, join me in Miami with the folks of Black Enterprise at BMXL because you will be full just like I am. You'll be able to play golf and tennis and be empowered. And I want to thank everyone who made this opportunity just a joy for me. And shout out to my boy, my man, the producer, the wonderful brother, Alfred Edmund Jr., for putting together the conference. My man, Kyle, Kyle Allman, for just all the great things that they do. And thank you again for allowing me to be Such a wonderful part in moderating that panel with Ron Williams and Shannon Brown. So I'm excited and full as we move into this time of year, this time, as some people say, this time of renewal. School starts. My guest will tell you a little bit about his time with his children, but it's time for us to go back. In a couple weeks, it will be fall. Maybe not here in New Orleans, but it will be fall. It will be a renewal. And it'll be also that time that I ask you to think about your revolution, to think about where you are. You know, if you do that question, if you answer that question at the beginning of the year, what's your revolution? You should be able to end that question by the end of the year, answer that question. And I hope that you're moving along. And as I say on each show, if you need help, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at What's Your Revolution, at Charles Corporu, and I will be happy to help you move along and answering and fulfilling what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. And I am happy each week to be joined by, as I say, prolific revolutionary guests. And this week is not any different. It is not extraordinary because it is ordinary when we have some of the most prolific people in the world on this show. And I am happy today to have my good friend, my classmate from James Madison University, the CEO of Willpower Consulting, Will Harris. What's up, Will? How you doing? Charles, how are you? Doing great. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You ain't got to call me Charles. You'll, <laughs> you remember Chuck. <laughs> I do remember Chuck. I do remember yeah, Chuck. Yeah, no doubt. You no doubt. Look, if you have a chance, man, go and Google this brother, Will Harris. Will Power Now is his best-selling book. Where if you want to understand what it means to have the willpower to go on and, and reach your goals, make sure that you go and read this book. We'll talk about it a little bit more. But Will, I ask all my guests this first question, and I'm anxious to hear what you've got to say. What's your revolution, Will Harris? Kindness. Kindness. Kindness, Kindness is my revolution. I love I that. I believe that we all should be trying to make the world a kinder place. And the best way 
to make the world a kinder place is to use this formula that I tell people. Mm. And anybody who uses this formula is guaranteed to make more than enough money, wake up every day feeling like they're contributing to the world, and on their worst day possible, they will still feel joy. And that formula is use what you love to Mm. fight what you hate. Use what you love to fight what you hate. Use what you love. Go ahead to fight what you hate. Love that. Go ahead, brother. My bad. If you use that formula, then that's the epitome of kindness. Mm. I think that the way we were built, that our emotions are the keys to our life purpose. And if Chuck does his life purpose and Will does his life purpose, and all your listeners do their life purpose, we wouldn't have any problems in the world. Right. We'll spread kindness. When you tap in to that thing that you love with immense passion, and then that tap in to that thing that you hate, that evil in the world. And when you use what you love to fight that thing you hate, boom, you have kindness. Right. Right. Well, I, I love that. And it's, it's funny, Will, when I say when I say this, because every guest has some poignant answer to this question and then it it weaves our conversation for the you know, it weaves. And I love that. Use what you love to fight what you hate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about the that. first Go the ahead. first the first time that I told somebody else that was a coworker of mine had a, his wife was a Microsoft mid-level executive. And she got sick and the doctors didn't know what was wrong with her, but she couldn't work anymore. So she ended up being a stay-at-home mom. And there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom, of course, but when that's not your dream, when that's not your, your in your mind, your purpose, then that starts to eat away at you. So she was getting depressed. He asked me to talk to her. So I said to her, the same thing I, I said to you, use what you love to fight what you hate. What is that thing that you love with, with great passion that you could do it all day? You wouldn't get tired. You would do it for free. And she said, baking, like baking cookies, cakes, pastries. I said, okay, now what's something that you hate? Something that when you, you see it on TV, you have to change the channel. When you hear about it, it makes you cry. It messes up your entire day. And for her, it was spousal abuse. Mm-hmm. So you normally... Chuck, you normally wouldn't put together baking with somebody getting whipped. (laughs) You wouldn't put those two things together. But what happens is in our mind, we start judging ourselves and saying, I can't make money from that. Or that's crazy. How would I put those two things together? So I told her, why don't you start baking cookies for the local battered woman's shelter and start there? And on her first day, her depression went away. She was happy. Wow. After some time, the local news did a report on her. Ex-Microsoft executive donates time and cookies to charity. The Bill Gates Foundation gave her a grant. So now this lady, (laughs) who was depressed and stuck at home, created a nonprofit strictly by using what she loves to fight what she hates. Right. Can't go wrong. No. Will, that that is amazing to me because... The simplicity of it, and but it it brings so much gravitas to it. Because as you were talking, I'm thinking about what's going on in our country. Well, you know, so many people have died at the hands of gun violence just this year. You think about the five people and the 21 people who were wounded, five people dead, 21 people who were wounded in Odessa, Texas over the weekend. I think about my beloved Virginia Beach, our be- beloved home, right? Right. 
you know, you, you think about the, the people who were shot in the municipal center and how it speaks to the level of hate that we have in our country right now, that people feel like they can just walk into a place and take people's lives. But what you're saying, if we can find something that we love, right, it will help us, it will help us, right, fight what we hate. And love, loving and kindness, right? The Bible speaks about kindness and what it can do. And so it's interesting, that story. It's, you know, interesting, the story, because now, you know, she has a passion. She has a purpose. And that purpose, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that purpose is now allowing her to fight things that are helping people to heal. And domestic violence is something that is, it is crucial. It is critical. It's something that we have to, all people stop. That's so amazing. Well, and I love that. How does that then in turn bleed into, not even bleed into become, but become who you are and what you do for the world? How does that become your mantra? In terms of everybody, when you first look at this, a lot of people know what they love. Like I I really love doing this but they haven't really tapped into something that they hate with just as much passion Mm. and the thing that they love. And then you have people who clearly know, right? (laughs) They clearly know, I hate this, I hate that, and I hate you too. (laughs) (laughs) But they never tap into that thing that they love. And when you see that off balance, that's when we have all those tragedies that you it's like yin and yang. You need both halves in order mm-hmm. to get it done. So for people who are lost at trying to find that peace, because we need them to find it, Chuck. We got to help them to find it because they are that missing link. They were born to solve a problem that they're not on yet. But that just means that they need to live life more. They need to see more things, go more places. Experience. Right. You can't keep listening to the same music and expect to get a new idea. <laughs> for real right you can't First have the time, same same group of friends and expect new same ideas friends, same people like in our social media world so easy for us to block people ban people but the more you do that next thing you know you turn around and you're surrounded by people who think like you talk like you that's why everybody was surprised that trump was elected president because right. you don't know anybody you don't know <laughs> we, we have become tribalized so much well you're saying something so so poignant and so eloquent in that we we have to diversify the people around us right because we need to hear we need to hear each other so much you know and and because we have become so tribalized everybody around us looks the same right and so go back to that balance that you were saying how do you how do you make sure if you if you got so much hate in yourself right how do you find that love to balance out? So I'm going to keep it real with you, Chuck. In a lot of cases, I find that some people are just too far gone. Right. Or too far lost to be brought back unless they're able to get around someone who light is so bright, it shines the darkness away. The best way for us to fix our world problems is get to the root. And that's the kids. It's right. The kids. Right. So before you and I were talking about one of my dreams is to build an orphanage, a special school where kindness is a class that you take every year. That kindness is valued just as important as science. And when you have that, when you have a homework assignment to go out and spread kindness, joy, to, to help someone who's homeless, to volunteer at a hospital, 
to go to the senior citizens home. When you do that, mm-hmm. you forget about your own problems. <laughs> you forget about your own problems. All of a sudden, your problems don't seem that small. Right. So I think the ultimate goal and focus of everybody should be each one reach one. You have to yes. reach some child other than your own because all the children really are our own. But in terms of the people who may still be searching and still feel so much hate, for instance, I think it starts off with gratitude. Mm -hmm. The only way to fight back from hate is to identify something you're grateful for. So when people, I do a lot of coaching and consultation of people in India and over there, depression is at can be at a whole nother level than what we're used to. Right, right. Uh, When I talk to them, I tell them, write down 10 things you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And when you wake up in the morning, read it in the mirror. And before you go to bed, read it at night. Because if you have negative thoughts, and if you've been negative for 30 years, 40 years, you can't expect that in 30 seconds or 40 seconds, your negativity is going to go away. It's just not because you dug that hole. So every time you have a negative thought, when you have that that list that's there, you can pull something from that list that you're grateful for. You can feed that to your mind. For every one negative thought, you got to feed yourself too. It's really that simple. Two positives. Yes. But that's like a pathway Mm. for people to get out. But most people are so, they have so much weight on them from their past, from their present that the thought process of writing down 10 things that you're grateful for or 10 things that you're wonderful for, it hurts my heart when I hear someone say, I can't write down 10 things I love about myself. Wow. Tell the story, Will. Tell the story. That says a lot. It's not that. It's not there. It's just that their past and their present are making them blind seeing how beautiful they are. Right. So, you know, I looked at some of your videos when you speak and when you talk about what is your revolution. And what I love about it, Chuck, is that it's so positive. It's so bright. It's like when you speak, there's a shiny message. I didn't even want to talk on your show tonight. I Come on, to man. Listen to you. <laughs> Come on. I, I want to hear you speak. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Grat- look, that gratitude out, for that. Yes. Thank you. When you kick that out. You make it bright enough for people to see how beautiful they are. You give other people respect. So even when I was listening to you at the beginning of your show and you were talking about the other brothers that you know and like how great they were. And even before, you know, we started recording, you were talking about other people and how great they are. You can't do that unless you're great too. Because if if you're not a great person already, you're not going to have the heart to be able to see the goodness in other people. Right. So right. you keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate We're it. We're all man. in the same game. Man, no no doubt, no doubt. Well, and I am grateful for this opportunity to not only talk to you, but to have this show and to have this opportunity to bring, like I said, some of the most revolutionary men that I, one, have tremendous respect for, but I also know that my listeners want to hear their story. Right. And so I am grateful. I am grateful for that. You know, I want to I just want to jump on this, you know, this this construct that you're talking about, about showing gratitude. And it's hard for some people. It's even hard for me, Will, sometimes to 
to to list the things that I'm grateful for. But I, as you were saying, I'm thinking I, I'm grateful for my 13 year old pit bull who's upstairs, who's probably upset with me because she's locked up. She knows it's Tuesday, and so she's got to be upstairs. I'm grateful for the conversations that I have with my 90 year old father who has Alzheimer's. I'm grateful for my mother who is still alive, who's 12 years younger than him, but still is a caregiver and who is the rock for our family, dear brother. And sometimes we don't, we don't think about that. We, we think about, well, you know what? I, I, I might not have what Will has right, right now. I'm, I'm not married. I don't have children, right? But those are the things that he's grateful for, right? And we cannot compare. One of the things that I heard on, these, on this panel, uh, as these two brothers were talking about the vulnerability in a world of toxic masculinity, right? It's a great, great panel, Will, uh, moderated by my great friend, Dr. Janet Taylor. And she she asked the question, you know, doing this, actually, no, actually, she didn't moderate. It was another panel that she moderated. It was his brother who is, talks about the lives of men, Jason. But he asked the brothers on stage, you know, when do they hate, right? And so it goes back into that, that gratefulness. And one of the brothers who's a therapist talked about how when the award for the BE Modern Man of the Year was awarded and it wasn't him, he had a little bit of hate, right? He had a little bit of like, well, why not me? Right. Instead of being grateful to be on the stage. But what I loved about that, Will, and we talk about gratitude, is that he was able to acknowledge that that feeling was there and then to be able to turn it around. So, you know what? I feel that I feel that little angst and hate, but I also have gratitude for this brother. Right. Why, why should I hate? And I think that if we go back to that balance where we understand that if we can be fine gratitude, like you said, we can find that ability to love. We can fight the hate that even draws up into us sometimes and thinking through, you know, I don't have this or I don't have that, right? But like you said, being grateful for the things that you do have in the midst of chaos will allow you to move forward even faster. Is that what you're saying, Will? Yeah, big time, big time. And it's almost like, man, there's a quantum shift that you go through in terms of your blessings, when someone else has a fantastic day. Right. On a day when you have a horrible day, yet you still feel great because they had a fantastic day. When you get to that spot, when you start realizing that we are one and that any greatness that Charles Dr. Charles Corpru (laughs) goes through is a huge victory for me because we're connected because we're one. And when you get to that place, when you no longer have those spiritual blockage that's standing there, that's when the gates open. That's just the the way it is. I mean, you know, if you eat cake, you're going to get fat. And I (laughs) tell you, (laughs) if you are not grateful for somebody else's success, you're not going to go far. That is that is so true. And I think when it comes to us as black men, we find ourselves so much competing against each other because that's that's historical. Right. We were bred. We were bred to compete against each other and rewiring ourselves to say we're a part of this collective community, because that's it sounds like what you're saying, that we are part of this collective community and that your success is my success. And I need to celebrate with you, as our good friend Marvin Chambers from James Madison said, as he was on the show and he's actually my executive coach. He said there's enough of the pie to go around for everyone, Chuck. He said, just because you are here doing the What's Your Revolution show and you're talking about healthy masculinity, don't hate on somebody else who's doing the same thing. There's enough of the pie going around. So celebrate everyone in this space because 
there are millions of us who are out here struggling and we need to hear somebody, right, mm-hmm. that we can resonate with. And that's why I started doing this show. Well, let, let's, you know, the time is always going to go by fast. And I want to talk about a couple of other things with you. So, okay. you know, your, your life journey, you know, your, mm-hmm. is, is amazing. And I know we talked about this in, in the pre-show, but tell the people how you got to be Will Power. Right. What was that journey? Right. Because I want to know and remember, everybody, we'll get to this. Go out and, and, and buy this book and check out this book. Willpower. Now you've got to. It is an excellent read. You've got to really figure this out. And this book will help you go out. And I've got the wonderful author to tell you how he got here. Will, <laughs> how did you get from JMU to willpower now? So I'm going to be honest, as I always keep it here. I was telling you right before the show started that in college, if there was a superlative for most likely not to succeed, I would have won that hands down. But how I went from where I was at JMU to where I am right now is that when I left JMU, um, I started to chase what other people thought should be my goals, what Mm. other people thought should be my objectives. And sometime while I was doing that chase, I realized I'm not going to be happy once I reach there. Mm. So just because I made that conscious decision to truly go after my dream, I got off that track and I started to focus on what I really wanted to do, which was motivational speaking at the time. I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I lucked up working for this guy named Zig Ziglar, who was a, a wonderful man. And after working with him, I looked at what's the pathway was to success for people in that field. And they normally did sales training. Right. Hold on one second, Will, because I, I think people need to know Zig Ziglar is a huge name in motivational speaker. So before you get on that path again, talk about that. What was that like? Because Les Brown talks about Zig Ziglar all the time in his motivational speaking. Uh-huh. Zig Ziglar is the guy. What was that like? And how did you actually get, you know, in touch with him and be a part of, you know, his world? Yeah. So I'm actually getting uh, a little chills uh, when you caused me to come back and, and talk to him. He was a, a giant of a man. Right. Like from a spiritual standpoint, from a you know, strong Christian standpoint, this guy was a superstar that practiced what he preached. What you saw on stage was the same way he was in, in private on one on one. And how I I got there, I like to think that I willed it to be so. Right. (laughs) I I willed it to be so. Right. People, when when you have that magnificent journey and people start saying, wow, how do you get from here to here? It starts with you wanting to go there. Right. Someone gave me one of his audio tapes and I spent all the money I had at the time. I I was 27 and I drove to Philadelphia. I saw him talk live. And then I spent the rest of the money I had buying every audio tape that he had and just digested it. And I grew as a human being tremendously strictly off of the depth of his content. And then one day, one of my mentors said, Hey, would you like to meet Zig Ziglar? Wow. He offered me a job and I suggested that he offers the job to you. Wow. Manifestation, brother. Manifestation. Yes. So they flew me out to Plano, Texas, and the rest was history. And that was like a point where things started to take off. But it started with 
me doing all I could to be around the positivity that I thought I needed to go where I wanted to go. Right. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you letting us know what that story is. And you were saying that after meeting Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar, you wanted to be a motivational speaker, right? This was your goal. And so you said, was it global sales training or global sales? You had to be in sales training to really up your game. So really, tell that Robin, to continue. Zig Ziglar, yeah. Brian Tracy, all of those guys started off in sales training. And then after they paid the bills, they morphed in to what we know their brand to be now. Right, right. So what was that like for you? I mean, where did you start? What were the pitfalls? What were the challenges? What were the successes? Man, I'm telling you, I failed my way to the top. Mm. I am living proof that I failed my way. I failed so much, Chuck. (laughs) I walk into my day trying to fail. If I am not going to fail, then my goals are too low. So I really had to get to the point where I felt comfortable at failing. There was a time where I had, do you remember a show called I think it still may be on, but in a smaller version, the hour of power. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. I had scored after years of working, I had scored to go on the hour of power in California in the big crystal cathedral. Yeah. On. That was my big break. I told everybody about it. I put it on social media. (laughs) I told my mama. (laughs) Yes. Yes. One week. Before I went out there, they called me up and told me that I wasn't going to be on their program, that somebody else had made a mistake and double booked me and somebody else at the same time. And the pastor decided, well, we're going to be fair to everybody. And I'm just going to speak that day. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was some kind of crush. But at the same time, I said, listen, I will back out. You let that other person speak. Because it's a real big deal right. being on the Hour of Power. Les Brown has been on the Hour of Power. Some other great people have been on the Hour of Power. Will Harris was going to be on the Hour of Power. And then all of a sudden, like that, I wasn't. But the very next day, I went back to my hustle. I went back to working with the same enthusiasm I had before things went bad. When you can fail and keep going with the same enthusiasm mm. that you had before, you're eventually going to get there. Right. You live long enough, it becomes self-evident. It's no longer a belief. You know, just keep fighting. And if you keep fighting, the bad times don't last. Right. So I went from missing the hour to power to giving a speech live in front of 800,000 people. What? Wow. Tell me about that, brother. It even sounds crazy when it comes out (laughs) of my mouth. 800,000 people? Three times. First time was 500,000. Second time was 600,000. And this past October, it was eight hundred thousand people live. That's almost what, a that's almost a million. The hour of power, right? Oh, I didn't get my minute on the hour of power. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's almost a million people, you know. And we think about right. I spoke to ten people today, right? <laughs> there was a hundred people in the audience last week when I spoke at Black Enterprise. Right? Say mama, what? My mama came over to see me give that speech. Right. Next day. I flew to the Himalayan Mountains, base of the Himalayan Mountains, to right. do a TEDx. So it was like having a Super Bowl one day, eight hundred thousand. <laughs> right. And then doing a TEDx the next day, like it's like winning the World Series, like back to back. Right. So I'm giving a TEDx, and I'm all like, "Yes, let me tell you what I did yesterday." Well, Harris here. I spoke to eight lakh people. L A K H. Right. That in India they count a different way. So lakh means 
100,000. Right. So eight black people. And my mama, after I get off, she said, baby, why do you say you speak to eight black people? <laughs> I do that every day. That's nothing special. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Moms will moms will put you in your place. Well, let me tell you, bro. <laughs> Give me a little New Orleans in here right now. Let me tell you. <laughs> Keep you in place. Make sure you call me when you land. Mom, I'm a grown man. OK, no, that don't mean nothing. You tell me when you land, boy. <laughs> so 800,000 people. Right. You're speaking. What? What's the topic? Will? What, and wait a minute. We even got to pull back. How do you get over to India to speak to 800,000 people? So, <laughs> again, when you have good intentions, you'd be surprised where God would take you. Mm. You'd be surprised. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Will. Say that again. I want people to hear that. When you have good intentions, you'd be surprised how far God will take you. Wow. Well, keep going, brother. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. Talk about diversity, right? Right. So I didn't have blinders on saying, ooh. I'm only going to hang out in my neighborhood. Even in the Bible, Jesus said a prophet isn't going to be accepted in his own home. So you have to be willing to go where God will take you. When you use what you love to fight what you hate, that's when the magic happens. I started a Facebook page for Willpower Now. And that Facebook page went from 1,000 to 10,000 wow. in one weekend to 30,000 in the next 40,000. The first year I had 200,000 Facebook fans. And now I have 900,000 <laughs> all in India. And the demographic is 17 to 24 year old girls in college. You can't predict that. No. Even when you write a book, I even tell people when I coach them now, everybody does the logical thing, which is business wise, the dumb thing. People write a book. I wrote a book. And then we go out and we try to find the audience. No, 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 no. You should get your audience and then write, write your the book. book. Oh, Will, you are dropping. You are dropping the pearls today, brother. Get your audience and then write, then your, write book. your book. Right. How would I know that eight, 17 to 24 year old girls in college in India will need my message? That right. they will be sending me messages on Facebook. The worst possible messages in the world that you can imagine that a girl could go through in India, I was getting directly and having to type back to them answers. And because I kept responding to people so much, my pages blew up. I would take the names out. I would post the messages onto Facebook. So 10,000 people could right. see that I helped this one problem. Right. So I have 20 problems. 10 of them will be the same. So I'll take those 10 and then I'll publish that because 30,000 people. Would right. Need right. So when right. the page blew up to 200,000 the first year, when I started getting what I call willpower warriors. So when I told you I was in a revolution, <laughs> I got warriors in my revolution. Chuck. Let me tell you, brother. Now we have inducted 2,000 college kids that every Sunday in India, they're doing community service in their neighborhood. They're donating their Sundays. College kids are telling me Sunday is the best day of the week. We can't wait for Sunday because something happens when you spread kindness to other people just to be kind. My Facebook page, it started to blow up, Chuck, right when my business started to blow up. Right. So all of a sudden, three clients decided they weren't going to pay me. All at the same time. So now I'm hurting with money. So do I get on Facebook and try to give some guidance to somebody 
halfway around the world or do I go back to prospect? And it wasn't until this one girl hit me with this problem that I had never experienced before. I gave her the answer and it saved her life. Wow. But I decided I have to stick with this. Yes. Even though it's not helping me, I can't let this go. And three months later, my business said, boom, and never wow. came back. Never wow. came back. Just wow. went Will, that's that the story is just so electric. And that's the word that comes to mind. It's so electric because that that spark that you think about growth, you think about people who light on fire. It's because that, that spark, that, that spark was your post, that, that, that spark for 17 to 24 year old girls in college in India. Right. And that that is so interesting to me. This this American black man. Right. Mm-hmm. Is now the guru. I don't want to say guru, guru is not the word, but the, the, the I don't want to say profit, but the inspiration. There we go. Right. The inspiration. Yeah. The inspiration for people that don't look like you. And that's what that's what more of us need, because if we go back to the conversation earlier, we have become so tribalized over here that we can't hear anybody else that doesn't look like us. And right. You have people who practice a different religion, potentially, potentially practicing Hindu, who are of a different gender, of a different age generation, and saying that this man is an inspiration. He is helping me through some of the most trying and challenging times. And we know, Will, what 17 to 24 is like, right? Yeah. You, remember, you remember college, yeah. right? It is, it is, you know, especially in the age of social media and self-esteem, and you now can scroll through and see the best days of everybody's life every second. <laughs> Right. Right. Every day, every second you can see, oh, my God, look at this life. It's amazing. When all you do is post it. Like if you looked at my life from last week, it was amazing. I'm in Florida. I'm in Miami. Right. I'm with some of the big names with an enterprise and all this. Right. But I'm I'm, I'm back in New Orleans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got I to go back to work. Right. But I, I just show the world that I'm all I'm, I'm supposed to be all of that. And I'm not. Right. But I, I love that. So. You said that you get your audience and then you write your book. And I love that because we're still we're still on this chronology from JMU to willpower now. So you got your audience. Uh What was that inspiration? What was the what was the spark? What was the drip? What was it? What was the revolutionary answer? You said, I got to write this book now. What was that? Okay, so I got fired. Everything good that happened to me in my life happened because something bad happened first. Wow! Right. I got fired. I was head of global sales training from Motorola, flying first class all over the world, from Singapore to San Francisco to Sao Paulo, you name it, I went there. And then just like that, I was gone. And they gave me a package, which meant I could sit on my butt for at least six months and the world wouldn't change. Mm. I could go and get another job or I could follow my dream and start my own company. And I decided to start my own company. So I got laid off in November. And the next day I made Motorola my client. And then from there, I got three, four other clients. And when I made them my client, it was basically my job, but I took off all the stuff I didn't like and only kept the stuff I loved. It was the perfect situation. (laughs) And I just kept duplicating that with other clients. Right. And it just blew up from that point. Wow. 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 I mean, just you get fired and then you make your company that fired you your client. I made a song. So I do music too, right? <laughs> and I made a song called Sure Bet, where I talked about getting fired. And my wife said, honey, get a drink. And I said, I don't need <laughs> to get a drink. I need to get a job. Right. 
So as soon as something bad happens to me, I look for what's the good. Right. This thing seems bad. It, it feels bad. But I know there's a blessing around here somewhere. And I think the only difference between me and somebody else is you have to look for the blessing and not just count the curses. Man, I cannot wait to listen to the show for myself. <laughs> you know, well, it's it, it is so interesting. Somebody asked me one day, like, what's your favorite podcast? Right. And I, I kept thinking, I'm like, do I say this? Do I really do I like say this out loud? And I said, well, it's my own podcast. And they were like, oh. and I was like, it's not because I think that I'm the best interviewer or that I got the greatest show. It's because I started this show two and a half years ago because I went looking for content to empower me as a person, to empower me as a man, to hear stories of other men, right, in my own cadre, right, that had failed and had then found their success, right? And so I listened to my show time and time again because the brothers like you have dropped so many nuggets of wisdom that allow me to realize that I can move forward right? That I can do those things, that I can answer my own question and keep moving. Failure has been a theme throughout this conversation. And, you know, one thing that Les Brown says is that anything worth doing is anything worth failing at. And I remember, I keep that in mind, Will, all the time, that if I'm going to be great, if you are going to be great, if you're listening to this show, you're going to fail time and time again. And you're listening to this brother, Will Harris, Will Power Now, talk about how failure has led him to the top, right? You heard, you heard this where he said, I spoke to 800,000 people, not 800, not 8,000, not 80,000 people, but 800,000 people, right? Listening to willpower now. Well, so just, just tease us a little bit. You've got the audience, you begin writing the book, what are some snippets? What are some things that people, as they read this book, they can say, you know what? Or actually, the better question is, why should they go out and get this book even now? All right. I'm going to say something because I believe I am great, but I don't <laughs> think it's like I like I like what you said. I listen to my own stuff, too. You got to get high on your own supply. Wow. Right. You got to get high on your own supply. Yes. It's the reverse of Scarface. Um, (laughs) when you're getting high on your own supply that's when you know your stuff is really good you are you went out and created something chuck because you saw that something was missing so you created what you need and i think that's that's the way life goes right we have a void or we need something or we experience a pain so that we're able to use that to help others in some way so i wrote 11 books Mm. two were number one bestsellers. Yes. One was a bestseller in India. We are one. So I wrote one on personal development. Right. And then the sales bestseller was power prospecting on selling. Right. Right. And then we are one. It's just about what you said, connected. All of us being in the same tribe. Right. If they go through willpower now, the biggest thing, the biggest nugget in that entire book is a deeper dive and to use what you love to fight what you hate. Right. That, that's the biggest thing. That's How do you find, follow, and pursue your life purpose? Yeah. In a way that also makes you rich. <laughs> There's also nothing make, wrong with being rich. The poor nothing. can't help the poor. Right. I'm hungry. Right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I don't think greed is taking stuff. It's about the balance. Do you take more than you give? Right. That's why I try to keep it equal. 
And every year I make more money. You can't outgive God. You just can't. Right. Listen to you, Will. This cat from JMU, the dude that just said if there was an accolade, right, he would get most likely to not succeed, right? Right. The dude that said, I spoke to 800,000 people. I just want to keep reiterating that, right? And that that failure has been his catapult. The author of 11 books, right? Understand this, right? <laughs> I want people to hear this, right? I think I did eight in one year. Eight books, 11 books. And so if you're trying to figure that out, right? What Will is saying is that just do. Eight books in a year, there's a story, right? There's a, there's a story in all of this. There's a, there's a niche that you can find. And sometimes, as you're saying in the manifestation, Will, they will find you if your message is clear, right? Is that what you're saying, Will? Got to chase two rabbits. You won't catch one. When your message, that one thing that you're trying to go after, that one thing, when some, I heard you say in one of your videos, when somebody asks you what your revolution is, you didn't say what your revolutions are. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's got, yeah, focus, man. <laughs> Look, I'm focused, man. <laughs> you know and you should saying? have a quick answer. You if should. you got a quick answer, that means that you're focused, laser focused right. on what you want. And when you're that way, heaven and earth will move to make things come true. You just have to try. It's not even about winning. This is about trying. You can fail. And because of that failure, all those people I talked to, okay, four months ago, I had an event in India and two people paid to come. So you go from 800,000 <laughs> to two. two. Right. <laughs> that could be enough to crush somebody. And I knew it was going to be a failure before the event. I could have canceled it. I could have saved face. I could have said, I'm Willpower Harris. I just, I did this. I did that. I said, no, I'm going to fail. I'm going to let my employees see that right. I failed. And when I failed, I threw a company party that night. Company wow. party. Right. Yeah. Last month, I went back and it was a sold without event. Yeah. Look, Nick Saban, coach of Alabama, famous coach of Alabama, lost hugely in the national championship game last year to Clemson, 44 to 16. And he was being interviewed on ESPN. And the one thing that he said that really stuck with, stuck with me, Will, was never waste a failure. Oh, that's beautiful. Never. Will, did you hear that, brother? I like ne that. Never waste a failure. Uh -huh. And. Yeah, exactly. Because the failure is is the greatest teacher. Because when you succeed, we we can get caught up in succession, right? We can get right when we succeed. We all the accolades are there, all the the bubbly and the balloons, and everybody's running up to you. But nobody's talking to you when you fail, right? Nobody's is nobody's nope. saying great job. Nobody's saying anything. Nope. It's then when you can do, as I say, you can do an autopsy of what went wrong, you know. Right. And that's when and that's when you figure that out. Well. I you love know, that. yeah, no, no, I, I love it. I love that what people have been able to hear on this show today, Will, is this brother who said, in a vulnerable tone, I came from here, and each time I failed, I was able to move up and move up and use that fear to talk to my people, to use what I love, <laughs> to fight what I hate, to use what I love, to fight what I hate. You know, and it is an amazing thing to hear this story. And as I was walking out of my office at Camelback Ventures today, and shout out to my wonderful, you know, group of people that I work with at Camelback Ventures, our wonderful CEO, Aaron Walker, Nadia, Kelly, Ami, Caroline, Riaz, 
you know, all of the amazing Muhammad, all the people that I work with that make my life easier, right? Who celebrate failure and success with me. But I was talking to Nadia today and I said, you know what? I'm about to go home and interview a good friend of mine. And, but there's a story behind our friendship, right? There's a, there's a story. And I said, you know, and I told her the story. She was like, Charles, what did you do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, but I think people need to hear as, as I think people need to hear the story of mm-hmm. how you and I eventually became friends because, you know, we were in college, you know, we were, not, we were, we weren't friends. We were, we were not I was friends. I telling my son this story five <laughs> minutes before the show. Yeah, we were what? not yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, something I and well, to be honest with you, I don't know what the exact event was that I that I that I was the catalyst for. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the tell tell the story. All right. So you and I were at JMU and it was freshman year and it was the second semester of freshman year. And remember, I said I was voted. I could have been voted most likely not to succeed. The proof of that was my performance. On my report card after that first semester. <laughs> right. After that first semester, I got all F's and two D's. Wow. And wow. I saw you and I said, ooh, I did horrible last semester. I got a 0.5 GPA. And then a couple of days passed and I was in the student union watching TV, doing what I shouldn't have been doing. And you came in and you said, what are you doing here? You should be in your room studying with your 0.5 GPA. And it was true. (laughs) It was true. But that rubbed me the wrong way. But I'm going to tell you what, Chuck, and this is what I said to my son before I had this call. I said, even back then, Chuck had a good heart. And he didn't say that to embarrass me. Chuck really did want me to go and study and improve myself. So that was the catalyst or the beginning from freshman year. Right. Then what happened was we grew up. We grew up. You grow up, you get in the real world, those small things that you talked about or fought about, or you looked at somebody like, hmm, you start realizing, you know what? We're all in the same game together. Yeah. He's successful. I love him. I'm happy for him. What happened in the past was stupid. (laughs) Little kid stuff. We need to grow up. Man. And the more I saw you having accolades, doing your thing, every single time I celebrated. And when you can take somebody who was a former enemy that you put in your mind and you get to the point where you love them legitimately. Yes, yes. Where you look and celebrate their success and even brag about them, things have changed. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful for you, brother. and the respect, the, how do I want to say, the admiration, brother, that I've had for you for so long to see your success, to see like, man, Will is doing this. Will is doing that. Like, like you said, like, I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm just like, I just want to be like this brother's cheerleader. Like, you know, you would see me like sometimes I'll DM you or right. Hey, brother, look, I, hey, congratulations on your success. Right. Yeah. Yo, hey, saw you do this. This is amazing. Like, Will, I have been a big fan, you know, and that's why I'm so excited to now have have you on the show because I get to I get to fan. Right. This dude that I remember back in college because, what you know, we didn't you know, we stopped kind of talking. Mm-hmm. And I remember our senior year, you know, 
it came to my attention that something had happened and that what you said had happened. And I remember we talked, right? We, we matured. I called you and I said, Hey, Will, you know, I heard something went down. And that was I a big thing too. That, yeah. that says a lot about your character. Well, I, 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 I didn't want, I, I don't like conflict. Will. you know, and, you know, and you talk about that, you know, sometimes you got to have conflict in your life because the resolution that comes out of conflict sometimes is much better than holding that in. And I was like, man, should I call this brother? I don't know what to do. I said, let, let me let me just call him to figure out what's going on because I don't want any animosity. We're going to see each other. We're, we're about to graduate. I don't want any animosity. Right. And we and we had a conversation. Right. And I don't know if you remember the conversation ended and it, it, it when it ended immediately, there wasn't really any resolution to it. And then you called me right back. You called me right back. You called you called me right back and you said, you know what, brother, you're right. We don't we don't need this. You know what I'm saying? This is this is not us. And there was this mutual respect. And I think the next day we saw each other, we dapped each other up, we hugged each other, mm-hmm. and it was like, yo, I, I I got you, you got me. And this is this is not who we are now as men. And for the last 25 years, seeing you grow, seeing you do all those things, I've been I've been a huge fan. So I'm tremendously grateful for you you know, for the things that you do for our community, for the things that you do for those young women who are 17 to 24 over in India, for those 800,000 people who get to hear you, for the people who get to hear this show, right? I am grateful for you, dear brother, because it is because of you that I get to do this show, right? I will go back and listen to the show. I will take notes. I will think about the nuggets that you dropped. I will think about my gratitude wall, right, that I need to have. I will think about when something happens and I fail that the manifestation is coming. The greatness is coming Mm -hmm. because of you, Will. So thank you, dear brother. Look, there's there's one last question that I like to ask, right? The show is about how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. What are some tips? What are some things that you do to maintain your mental, emotional, physical, you know, health, your relationship health. What are some things that you can drop to my listeners, my male listeners to say, hey, I can do this too? Mm-hmm. It's about mind, body, and spirit. You can't be fat and think clearly. You can't be off with your wife and expect that you're going to be close with God. You have to keep all three balance. So what I do to stay balanced is I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. I meditate from 4 to 5. I exercise from 5 to 6.30. And then my day starts from Singapore all the way to the East Coast. I go to bed every night at 8.30, every night, no matter where I am in the world. Disciplined. Yeah. And it took me two years to get to that point. But what I did was I studied success. Kevin Hart, he wakes up early. All the people, no matter what their discipline, who were successful, started their day off early. Now, you don't have to get up as early as me, but you can't control what happens in the middle. Today, somebody called you, Chuck. You didn't expect for them to call. You had an email. You didn't expect for that to happen. You can't control the middle of the day, but you can control when it begins and when it ends. Mm. And when you become an expert at those two different extremes, the middle balances out. Right, right. I love that. And, you know, I've read so many books about the seals and how they talk about getting up early, seizing the morning, seizing that time when there's no noise. And that takes that takes discipline because the bed is comfortable, right? It's war- <laughs> it's, it took me it's, two years. Yeah, it's warm or cold depending on how you like it, right? <laughs> 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 I like 
<laughs> right. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, man. And but you're saying discipline, getting up, using, you know, mm-hmm. meditating, you know, spending time with your spirituality yeah. and then exercising your body so you can then take on the day. Right. Mm-hmm. I realized uh, that no matter what happened, if I did not exercise before 7 a.m., I never, ever would that day, no matter what my good intentions were. You have to know, this is what I would say to all the guys, you have to know your demons and your positive stuff. Mm. You got to be careful about those demons. Right. You can't lie to yourself. You can't (laughs) jive to yourself. No, no. Uh -uh. You got to keep it real. I know your limitations and capabilities. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know how to do it early. Some other friends of mine, Edwin, we went to school with my fraternity brother. Right. Drew, they all work out late at night. That's their way. That's you their have thing. to know your own way and you follow that. Right. Well, that's amazing, brother. And I appreciate the tidbits. I'm a, took you two years to get there. That's interesting. So those people who are listening, you don't, it, it's going to take some time. Habits, you know, habits take time. I took cold showers, Will, for 30 days straight because I, wa- I wanted to be more disciplined. I, wa- I wanted to be able to say, and you know, those, there are some days you're like, I don't want to get into this cold shower. <laughs> I don't want to get into it, but for 30 days, because I wanted to see how I could do it. So now each month I have charged myself to give up something else. So this month it's sweets, 30 days without sweets. And I'm still taking the cold showers. So <laughs> trying to, yeah. I'm going to adopt that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I appreciate the time, dear brother. This means so much to me. Gratitude to you right for taking the time out of your busy whirlwind travel schedule i'm, I'm glad i could be a, a a conference of one today right because knowing that you speak to eight hundred thousand people i want to thank everybody who's listened in today to the what's your revolution show again i think it's the most thought-provoking question of your life when you can figure out this answer and sometimes it will take time sometimes you will have to think clearly put things out of your mind so you can figure out what that revolution is and as my good brother said it's not revolutions it's revolution will how can my people find where you are so willpowerharris.com is my website on linkedin a really big and activities on linkedin you can find that on facebook and youtube gotcha Make, make sure you check out this, brother. And I thank you all again. Gratitude to you all for all the time you spend with me and my guests on what I think is the best hour of my week. Take care, everyone, and always be able to answer this question. What's your revolution? Peace, everyone. Take care.